This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keitel, Vice President of CX of M and retired global CX executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, your host. Um, Unfortunately, Bob is not available today, but uh, we're really excited to welcome Deborah Roberts, who is an author, a conversation expert, and the founder of the Relationship Protocol Communication Model. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't start with a question. What does it mean to be a conversation expert? You're the first conversation expert I've ever met. Well, I'm honored to be the first conversation expert, Um, but it is sort of an original title. I have a background that's a little bit different than many people that are in the communication field. And I think this describes best what um, all of my, how all of my different experiences came together Um, because I have a very strong clinical background. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I've worked with all types of challenging relationships, and you can't imagine the settings. Um, In addition to working with many businesses as a business consultant from large to small and all different levels within the organization, and I also have training in trauma work. So that combination platter led me to really understand how communication influences us as human beings, how we relate to each other, how we look at ourselves. And um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I call myself like a dissector. So I look at communication from almost a granular level so that there's a logical reason why we react certain ways to each other. And so therefore, all of that combined leads me to call myself a conversation expert. Well, that's, that's fascinating um, <laughs> because, you know, as we discussed before the show, I, I don't think um, in the business world we talk enough about the importance of um, effective communication and the different forms that it, that it takes. So looking forward to our discussion today. Uh, let's, let's start out by, by talking about what's being termed the great resignation um, and your understanding of to what extent can we attribute the great resignation to misunderstandings and miscommunication in the workplace? I think that, so first of all, what a current topic, because it's still happening around us. Um, I think in July, there were 4 million people, according to the Bureau of Statistics, that uh, left their jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, Microsoft ran a study recently that said, reported that I think it's 41% globally, people are considering leaving their jobs still in the next year. So this is a movement that is still happening. Some of it, not all of it, but certainly some of it is attributable to uh, 
lack of communication, different forms of communication when people are working in companies that have a more, as we say, like transactional mentality versus a human customer oriented mentality, people oriented uh, communication, it's different. Um, And what what I wrote about in in the article um, for Inc. about this topic is I went a little deeper and I looked at this was an opportunity for people who were going, going, going and not stopping and working hard for a company. I call that soldiering. When we do the tasks that need to get done, we all do it. And sometimes at our own expense, um, you know, uh, personal. And what happens is what the, the pandemic offered us was an opportunity to stop. And the stopping offered us an opportunity to evaluate and think, Am I happy? Um, does this job offer me what I'm looking for? Some people were unhappy before, but for those that weren't, it was more of a self-evaluation. I'm spending more time with my family. It could simply be, I wanna be home. But for the people who realized that their employer, their manager, their supervisor never reached out to them in a personal way, that was the affront that most people said, why am I putting forth effort for a company that doesn't really care about me? And that became, whether it's miscommunication or not, in this case, it's more a lack of communication. And that became a disconnect that affected many, many people. And I had many conversations with a lot of people who were in that boat. But again, to the employer's credit, they were also, or on their side of things, they were in uncharted territory as well. However, if you don't reach out to a human being, even in a small way during times of crisis and confusion, to simply check in with them, it's noticed. So that's my explanation, sort of a brushstroke, a big broad stroke about it. Interesting. So pandemic aside, um, what what's your perception about organ uh, about how effective organizations are and just understanding their employees and, and where, where they are um, both in terms of their career, their life and, and, and how it is or isn't a good fit for them. Um, is that something that most organizations fail to do? And, 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 and what are your thoughts on why? It's a combination platter. It all depends on the leadership because it starts at the top. If you have a leader who's interested in communication and interested in creating an environment of people feeling like they belong Mm -hmm. and that they matter, that they are, as I I like to say, part of the bigger picture, the bigger system, then you have a committed group of people who feel a part of something and they're going to work harder for you. And your customers are going to feel that energy from you because now this is a place you want to be. So I think communication works well when you have a leader who appreciates the importance of it. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that they're a great communicator. They just may appreciate the importance of it. So that's the kind of stuff that where I come in and I'll explain and and talk about how do you initiate a conversation that's a little bit difficult? What do you do when you have a challenging person that is off-putting or ruining a, a team dynamic? or someone who is taking credit for something and they shouldn't be. There's so many different areas that come into play where we as human beings hesitate to have conversations. So 
a lot of it are the, the connective tissue kinds of conversations that companies, many of them, most of them do not have. Okay, just as I suspected. Um, <laughs> so with, with the pandemic has come remote workforces and resource constrained employees, um, with many companies confused about how to effectively communicate with their staff and maintain a positive company culture, particularly if, if you're not working in the, in the same physical space, right? So what, what steps can organizations take to more effectively do so? Well, the goal is that there's a recognition that communication needs to be open and flexible, similar to what most companies have had to do with the organizational structure itself. Many companies uh, were not working remotely before because the employer didn't maybe trust that they would get the same work product from their employees if they weren't located physically in the same space. I, I get that. And in some instances, that is probably true. But mostly that um, belief system was, was proven false, where people have been successful working from home. Where it's successful is when those people are still a part of the larger system. So there needs to be structured communication, internal structured communication, where everybody is still a part of things. If you have people in the office and out of the office that you do this hybrid um, I, I'm losing what live streams, you know, things where mm -hmm. everybody can be involved. And I think mm -hmm. the most important thing is that there's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that person, with their manager or supervisor, that someone knows who isn't physically sitting next to someone because they're now remotely working. You just see, you know, them in a box that they're asking questions. How are you doing? How is this working? How can we support you? Are you? Do you have everything you need to be successful? And what else can we do to make the experience better for you? Because when you don't ask those kind of questions, people don't offer it. They think they're complaining. They think they're gonna look like the weak link. So make it a conversation that people are comfortable having and that they are comfortable approaching you about, and also be, as, as a leader, be open to those questions and not um, turned off to them or not responding to them in a way that makes the person then um, do it again. You want this open dialogue. And if people don't feel that that's a welcomed thing for them to do, they're not going to, and they will stay isolated. And I know of many instances where people were working from home, different things were going on for them personally, or the way they were doing their business. They were working longer, crazy hours, but they were afraid to say something. Now, had someone said to them, what, what kind of hours have you been working? Or you look tired. Have you, you know, are you working more than you have before? What's the difference? There are so many ways to ask the question, but every conversation is an opportunity to create a meaningful connection with that person that works with you or for you. And they deserve that conversation. Even if it's to say, I hear a baby crying, how old, how old is the baby? Mm -hmm. You know, a little human connection yeah. never hurt anyone. <laughs> so there are... oh, oh, one more thing is also a positive connection, appreciating their work, appreciating their effort. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be noticed. In addition to being heard, they want to be noticed and a compliment of some sort, saying something positive about their dedication to their work is always a lovely way to create a connection as well. So a recurring theme that I'm hearing from you is, is really about showing empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And kindness. Yeah. Yep. 
I call that um, shifting your thinking and turning towards. It's one of the key elements of my relationship protocol model. And good leaders and positive company cultures, they, and, and even healthy relationships, marriages, they all have commitment, which is the first key element, and turning towards the shifting your thinking to be more relational, and that we are in this together kind of a mentality. And those companies that exhibit those traits have a much greater, uh, higher rate of engagement, lower turnover, all the good stuff that comes with feeling like you have a committed group of people working toward the same goal. So has it been your experience that it's, it's difficult for most people to turn that switch on? Um, because I could see, you know, you know, to your point you brought up previously, we're kind of, you know, most of us are kind of locked into this work mode that, that we're in all the time. Right. And, and, and being able to switch into and switch into this mode where where we are more compassionate we are more kind maybe that doesn't come as natural for many people i think it's more natural than you might think mm -hmm. because in general people are craving connection they don't mm -hmm. want to be isolated given someone an opportunity to connect with even a buddy for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. someone that has a conversation with them every week to just check in, whether it's a supervisor or not, it could be a coworker, you start to realize there's something nice about having that human connection. So what I try to bring to the table is a small shift in your thinking. I'm not asking mm -hmm. you to you know, jump through fire or become an expert, um, articulate, you know, magnificent communicator as much as shift your thinking that you're not in this alone, that you're part of a bigger organization, that the person that you're arguing with matters, and that for the sake of the team, you might want to turn toward this person and figure out a way to have a resolution rather than holding your ground to be right, because you're affecting a lot of people. So there's just a mentality piece, a, philosoph a philosophical way of thinking that I call it a turn of the dial that can make mm. a huge mm. difference huge difference in how a company functions, how a team runs, and as a human being, how we, uh, the quality of our life changes when we have greater self-awareness, when we bring kindness and gratitude into the world, and when we can communicate effectively. And it's not as difficult as everybody thinks it is, just so you know. <laughs> but it's, it's important. It's important. It comes naturally or appears to come naturally, right? Um, I, I can remember um, won't name names or places, but I remember a former employer. Um, suddenly, my boss stopped by my office and asked me to join her um, in looking at a map um, that was in the hallway and asked me to point out where my, my hometown was, which I did. And all of a sudden, she showed interest and said a few things and then walked away. But it was kind of clear to me that maybe that was something she had learned at a at a, at a training, so, but it wasn't in her normal character. And yeah. it, and it didn't really come across as being very genuine because it was never, you know, nothing like that was repeated again. So, you know, what's a lesson to people that were normally making that personal connection isn't part of their, their, their culture or their behavior. And now they need to make, you know, how do they make that? How do they make that transformation and make it more appear at least to be more genuine? 
I love that question. No one has ever asked me that question. And um, my answer to you is twofold. One is you can learn how to be a better communicator, genuinely and sincerely, if the dialogue is coming from a sincere place. If I want to have a, a good outcome to this conversation, I'm going to communicate with you in a way that you're going to feel that from me. You're going to know from me that I want to have it. So someone who doesn't have a good skill set, but wants to learn a lot of it is the desire to be better and to know that if I communicate better, my life will be a little easier. It will be less stressful. There will be less um, clutter in my brain with extra things that I don't need to have because I can communicate what I need with ease and there'll be less conflict. However, there are many people who are more introverted or mm -hmm. aren't as outward with what they want to communicate. They're more mm -hmm. private, whatever it is. If I'm a team leader and that's who I am, I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to say to my team, mm -hmm. I don't want you to doubt my commitment to you. I don't want you to doubt my caring about what happens mm -hmm. to this team, but I might not always present that way. I know mm -hmm. I can keep to myself. I'm in my office with my door closed or mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing, but that doesn't mean that you're not welcome to knock on my door or if you need something that I'm not there for you. So what's happened is I don't mm -hmm. have to change who I am, but right. you do need to have some kind of a bridge statement yep. that lets the employee or team member or whomever it is know that don't misinterpret my lack of conversation for lack of caring or commitment. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause I know I've been accused. Um, I think as mainly my students, you know, I'm always appear to be very busy. I move fast. I involved right. in a lot of things. And, and I, I'd hear, well, you, you know, it looks like you're, you know, I get this, um, it looks like you're busy, so I don't want to bother you. So I like I like what you've told me. I think I need to make that bridging statement and 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 let my students or anybody know that, you know, there's nothing I care about more than them and their success. And although my, I, I am very busy and appear to be very busy, I always have time to talk to them. So I, I like that. I really like that. But what do you think about that? What what would be the difference if you were able to even one sentence? If you were able to say that to them, what would it be different for them? Um, I think I think they know I care about them, and I and I think you know through through my deeds and and the actions, um, I think they 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 get that. Um, um, but you'd be more approachable, and yeah, time. yeah. Although I've worked on that too, you know. I think it's it's <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to translate this, it, although that is my workplace too, is also creating down, you know, downtime to that busyness where yeah. you can be approached. You know, for me, it's arriving to class early and staying, staying after and just standing there, you know, and, and I think so. And, and I guess that's another element of, of the remote space we're in now. Right. So where, you know, maybe before you had that opportunity where you could just walk by your boss's door, you know, just knock on the door and, and, and drop in. Right. How do you do that in the zoom era? You know, that's um, and whether that's, um, you know, I could see where it might be, here's my Calendly link. I'm always here for you. Please feel free to make an appointment there anytime, you, you know, opening that door. Um, but yeah. And, and that, that's interesting too, moving from teaching in an online environment where you've got mm. dedicated time and space that's and right. but you, 
Yep. Yep. Well, you could do the same thing as well and say, Hey, I'm here 10 minutes before class and 10 minutes after. Um, I'd be happy to stay after and chat with anybody or, but um, I like that, but yeah, being there. So I think that physical to me that, that, you know, being there physically and, and what your body language conveys, because normally mine is zoom, 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 you know, so I got to <laughs> convey, I've slowed down, I'm here and relaxed and waiting for you. Um, so kind of on that note, next question here, what are the primary reasons that people avoid conversations? Um, what, what steps can managers take to better engage with their employees? We've talked about a couple of things right before this, but what other steps can they take? So the main reasons why people don't have conversations that they want to have, I, I've narrowed them down to three common reasons. One is they don't know how to start the conversation. They have no idea how to start it. And believe it or not, that's a big reason why people don't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. They put it in the back of their mind and, and keep moving. Um, another reason is they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. They, mm -hmm. they don't want to say something that might be taken wrong, but also they're afraid. What if it doesn't go well? What if I make things worse? And that's another, I think that's mm -hmm. about 50, 50 really with the, the uh, not knowing how to start, but those are the main reasons. So part of it is creating an environment where questions and opinions are welcomed. And a little bit of what we were talking about before that you can always approach me. I'm happy to have a, a dialogue with you. Asking questions and getting to know them personally makes people feel a little bit more comfortable, but creating an open environment where conversations from the top down, if mm. leaders at the top level are willing to have conversations and be seen as open and caring about the environment, it makes people more inclined to say, I'm having trouble in this area. I need some support or this person isn't working for me and I don't know how to get along with them without feeling like they're being a complainer. I want to teach people how to have those conversations when they don't feel that they can. But the, the way that the companies can start is by at least creating this sense of belonging within the organization where everybody, regardless of what they do, feels like they do belong to the bigger picture and they're comfortable in the space. Don't assume everybody feels like they belong. Don't assume unless you ask in a genuine and caring way if they are comfortable in the role that they're in to be able to have a conversation and bring something up because it can be misinterpreted and people can, there can be backlash. It has to be a safe place to have conversations, which sounds harsh or strong, but there is that reality in some of the larger companies, smaller companies, you can get away with everybody sitting around the table talking and figuring out how to navigate conversations sometimes a little easier. So is that, is that the reason why a lot of, people don't find out that their behavior or, or wasn't um, viewed positively until it comes time for them to be terminated. You know, I've always, you know, I've, and I've always believed that there should be no surprises in a performance appraisal, but a lot of times there are yes. because for whatever reason, that manager um, because of the reasons you've outlaid, you know, you've laid out, um, doesn't take the time to talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. There should be no surprises during a review. There should be very clear direction of what the expectations are, what the role is, where the lines are, where the boundaries are, good and bad. And so that by the time the review comes, it's uh, I told you, or mm. what are we going to do about this? Because it hasn't changed. If, if it's a negative review, certainly. I think that there's opportunity, though, to teach companies how to be better and how to understand the dynamics of how to turn towards their staff to be able to mm. understand when they're giving negative feedback that if they come from a that if the person on the receiving end of that comes from a place of accountability and ownership, then they're a little bit more humbled by it and they're mm-hmm. owning their part. That makes us accept their uh, acknowledgement of the mistake or or something that that they did that they shouldn't have done. Versus if they make excuses and they're not humbled by it and they kind of brush it off or minimize it, we don't connect with that. So in business, like anywhere else. But particularly in business, you have to be someone who demonstrates accountability and ownership. So if someone gives you a negative report and you say, all right, I know, I know, there's no ownership there. So the manager walks away saying, all right, well, I don't know, he or she got that. But if the person says, I know what you're saying, and this is my plan, this is what I'm going to try to do. So I'm taking accountability with my actions and ownership is more of the internal process of I'm owning that I hear what you're saying and I know I need to do better. I want to do better. If I respond to you that way, you know, we're having a very different dialogue. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you, so if you're on the other end, how do you, how do you, oh, some, how do you, how do you train people to, to, to respond that way because often it is so defensive and it then it puts me on the defensive right you know and it and it makes it hard um hard for me to as a manager to provide that that feedback so how do you how do you get how do you get your employees to come at it from that perspective i think you need to educate them about prior to the review but to understand about mm. that we all have a responsibility in, in our jobs and we all make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We learn from them. I mean, unless it's an egregious situation, but in general, we need to have environments where mistakes are possible because, and differences of opinion are okay so that we can grow and learn and innovate and whatever we're going to do with, you know, all the information that's floating around. But if someone is defensive or aggressive and acts, uh, gives you a difficult response, the first thing I would say to you is that if you know you're giving bad news to someone, say to yourself, I'm not going to get defensive. I'm going to hear what they say. And I'm going to say to them, your answer is defensive. It's not helpful. Mm-hmm. What would be helpful is if you tell me if this is new information and what you'd like to do about it. I would go in there prepared as the manager mm-hmm. of how I'm going to respond because it's so easy to react off of them as you're saying. And then we leave and we're like, oh, didn't mean to do that. You know, they got me. But, and that's understandable as human beings, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think you can start the conversation by saying, I don't know if this meeting is going to go the way you expected it to, or mm-hmm. whatever your intro is. And you can say, I'm going to ask you to not get defensive. Think about what I'm saying. And let's, let's have a productive conversation about this topic. If it's a let's or us or we, mm-hmm. we have a very different conversation. Mm-hmm. 
than if I'm talking to you and you feel talked down to, even if I'm firing you, I'm still giving you feedback about why this is happening. And I want you to take this information and use it, absorb it. You don't have to get defensive. You don't have to feel like I'm attacking you because I'm not. I'm speaking to the facts. I'm giving you data. You know, when you're firing someone, there should be a reason for it, the logic behind it. And it shouldn't come as a surprise, as you're saying as well, in addition to the negative review. So I want to be able to offer you feedback that you can take to your next position or to your um, life coach or therapist or Mm -hmm. whomever Mm -hmm. you speak to, your mentor, to learn how to be better at the next position you're in, because whatever it is you did here, you might do somewhere else as well. And that's where self-awareness comes in and personal growth Mm -hmm. and a willingness to take information and learn from it and use it to grow and become better. So- I like that. I, I could have used you 30 years ago when I had to have those conversations <laughs> with my employees. So that that's great. I love it. Oh, I love good. it. Thank uh, maybe you. I can use it with my students too. Um, you so, can. Yep, you can I will. I will. I have to say though, I've, I've got great students. Um, they work hard and they're very responsible and I really haven't had that's great. Um, those kind of issues. But um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take us totally off track here because the focus of um, our podcast is on customer experience management. And you and I did talk a little bit about the role of communication and, and, yes. and, and creating um, um, and, uh, and culture development. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what role does effective communication play in, in helping employees to deliver on a compelling customer-centric vision? So I think many leaders are really good at creating this ideal or vision for the organization and where it's going to go and, and service to the customer. But how do we communicate? You know, what different forms uh, of messaging and communication do we, we take to engage Um, employees throughout the organization and moving towards that vision. So are we talking about how to engage the employees to know how to engage with the customers? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I'm clear. It's kind of the same thing um, as having a manager engage with an employee for the sake of that conversation. When we, we want look, the customers are the driving force of the organization and the employee is the driving force of getting the customer into the organization. So we have to value everyone. And I think when you can let a customer know that when you're speaking to them, they are the most important person to you in that moment. Mm. And that you are, like I mentioned before, shifting your thinking to connecting with their experience. When you connect with the other person's experience, it doesn't mean you have to be sympathetic to them, but you can be empathic. You can acknowledge, I'm so sorry that there's this problem. How can we support you? What's the best thing that we can do to change your experience so that we can keep you, we value you as our customer and you matter to us. When we speak to people respectfully, when we don't avoid the conversations, when we follow up, when we say we're going to, we're showing our commitment, right? Like I mentioned before, our Mm -hmm. commitment to that relationship. Every interaction we can show up in a committed way and in a way that lets the person know that whatever their experience is matters to us. And all we have to do is acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. I know you've been waiting long on the phone. Sorry to keep you waiting. It's as simple as that makes someone feel good versus yeah, all right, uh-huh, I'll get back to you. Or yeah. sending them an email with you know three words. 
but letting them know that their experience in the company and their experience in that moment is important to you and commenting, create a personal relationship with them. Oh, I noticed, oh, is, is that your daughter in the background? You know, whatever, mm. I don't say that, yep. but something yep. about their, if, if you're on Zoom, something about their background, something about something that they've said to connect with mm. them in a more human way. That's how you build more teeth to the relationship as well. So conversely, you know, how do we, how do we effectively on an interpersonal and a more formal way, how do we communicate with employees to adopt that attitude towards a customer and understand their role? I always say that thinking of teaching employees about the bigger picture mm. is the best thing that you can do, mm. that you are a part of a bigger system and that this, these are number one, our expectations, but that you matter to this bigger system. You're important mm -hmm. to us. You are a, a cog in this wheel and, and we need to make sure that you're trained that you're comfortable, that no circumstance is going to come up where you're going to feel completely stumped and that's going to fall flat. And if it does, we'll help you figure out how to pick you up and, and resolve the issue. But everybody has to feel like they're a part of something. So because I'm, I'm going to talk to that difficult customer because of, for the bigger, for the sake of my job, for the sake of my paycheck, for the sake of the team, for the sake of the project, the product, the customer, I'm going to behave in a committed way, and I'm going to care about what happens to this person, even if I don't like them very much, even if I don't want to mm -hmm. deal with them, I'm going to do that for the sake of what's important, for the sake of my family, for whatever it is, everybody has their go-to things that are the bigger picture. For an organization, I would like the organization to be a part of how they see what's important to them, whether it's the team or the, or the, the entire group. But that's a driver sometimes to make them feel like they're a part of something and find out what's important to them. Yeah, I like that. I've, I've always believed that, yeah, people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, to actually yeah. state that I think is really key and then to help them to understand where they fit in. Yeah. Um, it's like a sequential explanation. And uh, interesting that you say that because a lot of what I talk about is saying things verbally that we think. And when we say those things, I know of a gentleman, he took my course, he owns a huge franchise company, and he brought together all of his franchisees, everybody in every um, area of every region. And he had a big meeting all about commitment, that he realized mm -hmm. he wasn't showing his commitment the way that he should have toward them. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to make a commitment and a promise to them of how he was going to start showing up. And then he told them what he expected of them, wow. because in him not you know, when he wasn't doing the role that he should have been doing, they were all not required to do theirs because yeah. he had to oh. model it for them. So, oh. but he hadn't thought of that word out loud <laughs> before <laughs> we started talking about it. And it's valuable information when we can talk about benefit of the doubt and let's resolve conflicts. We are in this together, bigger picture kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we all kind of make assumptions, right? About what yes. others understand. And sometimes you got to, you got to verbalize that. So tell us a little bit, you know, we talked a lot about these different topics. Um, tell us a lot, a little bit about your business model and, and how you're, you're helping organizations with, with communications. My pleasure. Um, so I have a, an online course that I am relaunching in January of 2022 
and it is for small and large organizations. And it's everything we're talking about here today mm-hmm. on a bigger scale, but it's eight lessons that can be taken in units of four weeks or eight weeks, however people want to do it. And there's even a one lesson that's called, it's a masterclass and it's called Life mm. Strategies for Wellness. Because, because of my background, I put it all together. I the, the course has been so successful that meetings are different for the companies that have gone through it. Conflicts are getting resolved quicker. Wow. Relationships, meaningful relationships with customers are growing. And all it is are practical tools for having conversations that people need and want to have, resolving differences, learning how to build trust within an organization. How do you create commitment? How do you turn towards and the implications of that? Mm-hmm. And also a lot of teaching about at the core, what is causing a conflict and how can you resolve it really fast? A lot, so much of where we struggle is we weren't taught growing up how to be better communicators. Most of us were not taught it in our childhood homes and they don't teach it in most colleges, universities mm-hmm. or high schools or even mm-hmm. elementary schools. Nobody is teaching the how-tos of how do you actually have a conversation? How do you bring up a topic? And what if it's not going well? How do you get it back on track? I want the world to be a more peaceful, kinder place so that we can have conversations and we can have differences of opinions and we don't have to beat each other up or or feel badly that we shouldn't have said what we said. And um, so the course itself uh, has been transformational, very excited, and I'm happy to speak to any anyone that's interested. I also um, have a course, similar course for personal use, because it's the same material with a different twist for uh, relationships and individuals who want to improve their communication and, again, have more meaningful relationships. You can go to the relationshipprotocol.com, my website, and learn more there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Deborah Roberts, and it's the relationship protocol on Instagram and on Facebook as well. So that's well, me. great. Thanks, Deborah. This has been fun. This has been fun. We really could talk fun. days and days about community. You know, we could. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. definitely could. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.